podcast intent for information on educational purposes only, not for the purpose of rendering medical advice. As always, information should be pulled from multiple credible sources. Cross reference wormlet your almost accurate hypothesis. Evans can support always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any question regarding a medical condition. <gasps> this is the actual PT podcast, where actual problems meet actual evidence, producing actual results. And your hosts, Troy Lind and Taylor Flocken. What is good, actual PT Nation? As always, it is your hostesses with the mostesses, Taylor Flocken and Troy Lind. Tell the good people hello, Taylor. Oh, hi there, gorgeous people listening in. So Taylor and I are extremely excited to bring to you another episode of the actual PT Podcast. Today we are covering a topic that does not get near the publicity it deserves. And that topic is pelvic floor dysfunction. Now, I know what you guys are thinking already. Two guys providing education on a topic that is a primary focus in women's health? How does that work? Well, I think Taylor's got just the answer for you guys. Absolutely. As Troy said, pelvic floor health as a whole just really doesn't get the attention it deserves within the healthcare system. According to the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties, or the ABPTS, as of June 2020, there were 30,041 individuals who have achieved a board certification in a clinical specialty within physical therapy. Now, of those 30,000, 550, only 550, have been in women's health, which it doubles as pelvic floor health. Now, we feel this is nowhere near adequate for the ever-growing need for women today, as a cohort study by NEGARD found that a quarter of all women, regardless of age, had a pelvic floor dysfunction. That and a third of all older women reported having a pelvic floor dysfunction in the United States. Now, these are huge numbers for the small 550 pelvic floor specialists to handle. This all said, the women's health specialty is actually planning to change its name to pelvic floor specialist because guess what? Men can also benefit from pelvic floor therapy. So this episode is dedicated to all the hardworking men, women, and everything in between that are dealing with pelvic floor issues. Yes, absolutely. Well said, Taylor. Now let's get to it, all right? What does this dysfunction look like and who does it affect, Taylor? So little do people know, the pelvic floor is considered a part of your core, you know, the thing that every fitness person anywhere and everywhere is always talking about. And this core, it helps provide stability to the spine, the organs, and it even helps with breathing. So even though people, you know, may normally think of it as primarily a female problem, it affects both genders. People who have issues with constipation, sexual dysfunction, those who are involved with literally any type of athletics, issues with prolapse or incontinence, which we will dive deeper into here in a minute. And of course, for those who have uteruses, specifically those who have given birth, either C-section or naturally, you can benefit hugely from pelvic floor therapy. And those with prostates, well, these issues can absolutely be debilitating, but they can also be helped with some pelvic floor PT. Wait, 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 wait one second, Taylor. So you said something about this affecting individuals with incontinence. Can you, uh, can you tell myself and the readers a little bit more about this, please? 
<laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir, Troy. All right. We'll jump right on into that. So there are four basic types of incontinence, all right? So the first one is stress. And for those who have stress incontinence, they're going to have a weak pelvic floor. So whenever there's an increase in intra-abdominal pressure, urine escapes. And when I say increased intra-abdominal pressure, this can come from things like laughing, coughing, sneezing, just basically you're creating too much pressure for that floor to handle. And for a normal healthy one, the activities I just mentioned are going to be no problem. But for a pelvic floor that is weak or has a dysfunction, well, Let's just say the floodgates are going to be bursting, okay? <laughs> so moving forward to the second type, all right, we're going to have urge incontinence. And this is going to be from an involuntary contraction of the bladder. So involuntary means it's out of your hands. It's out of your control. And so for those who have this type of incontinence, they get real sudden, intense urges to pee. And sometimes it happens throughout the day, even after they just went. Just basically the bladder is spasming and it's pushing out that urine against the person's will. So these people, they tend to leak and they go at random times throughout the day. But kind of overlaps with stress incontinence because activities like laughing, coughing, and sneezing, all those things can make it worse for some people. Now, moving on to overflow. Overflow incontinence, this is going to be due to a blockage somewhere. And this type of incontinence is unique in that it tends to affect men more so than women via enlarged prostates. Basically, these people have trouble fully emptying their bladder, and it will fill up and may actually become extremely full without the person feeling the need to go. These people tend to leak at a more regular rate throughout the day. And more concerning, though, the urine that gets stuck in the bladder it can be a huge breeding ground for bacteria. UTIs can be a major problem for these folks. And now the very last type of the four is going to be neurogenic incontinence. I'm just going to give you a real basic definition of this because it can, it can have a bunch of different uh, presentations. But this incontinence, it's due to impaired functioning of the nervous system. So you're going to be thinking about people who have spinal cord injuries or strokes or et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely, Taylor. Now, it is nearly impossible to educate everyone on the complete and total anatomy of the pelvic floor via podcast, no pictures or anything, as well as every single thing that plays a role in the dysfunction. So due to this and the fact that I like to keep things short and sweet, as you all well know, I am going to quickly explain the, explain the bare bones of what you need to know from an anatomy standpoint, okay? So first, let's start with your core, as Taylor was saying earlier, and what it is made up of. So let's think of it as a house, with the roof being your diaphragm, the walls are your abdominals, your paraspinal muscles, obliques, transverses of dominus, if you will, etc., okay? And that's the outside of the walls, okay, of the house. Now, the floor of it, of the house, is that's right, you guess, it's the pelvic floor, everything that we've just been talking about. So now, specifically looking into the pelvic floor, it has three primary layers, which are the urogenital slash anogenital triangles, the urogenital diaphragm, and the pelvic diaphragm. Now, if we were to zoom in on the pelvic diaphragm, we would find that it is made up of several muscles, including the levator ani, or ani, obturator internus, coccygeus, and the piriformis. 
So you are probably asking, why is it important that I just named a bunch of funny naming muscles? Well, these happen to be the only muscles in the pelvic floor that are under volitional or voluntary control, which means, aka, that these are the muscles that we can directly train through pelvic floor PT. Now, if you're doing any of your own research at home, we advise you to spend most of your time looking into the levator ani muscle, which is actually made up of three or four smaller muscles depending on your sex. Yes, yes, yes. You know, a cohort study, which if you listen to our levels of evidence, you know it is level three evidence. But a cohort study was done by Davidson and published just last year. And what she found was that with this particular muscle, the levator ani, it was significantly weakened after childbirth, regardless of whether you had it naturally or through C-section. But also, there were a significant number of women who did have the child naturally that experienced a pretty severe stiffness in the muscle compared to those who had a C-section. This weakness and stiffness can lead to a multitude of issues ranging from pain to incontinence. That is absolutely correct, Taylor Flocken, absolutely. And in addition, a systematic review and meta-analysis by Telesaz found a clinically significant increase in sexual function when pelvic floor muscle exercises were used. They went on to state later that in doing pelvic floor exercises, especially postpartum, there is an increase in blood flow to the pelvic floor, which in turn speeds up healing and allows for, allows for revascularization of damaged cells and tissues. Lastly, the results of this study, as well as Zaworski et al. and Gangnan et al. in 2016 and 2017, found that pelvic floor training significantly improved quality of life for women with urinary incontinence in both pregnancy and the postpartum period, which is extremely important. So, Taylor, what do you think about that, huh? You ready to punch your ticket to improve quality of life on the old Kegel train yet? Oh, my ticket is done punched, sir. It is done punched. You know, um, I think we did a pretty decent job of, you know, explaining some of the basics of, you know, pelvic floor function and the adverse effects that pelvic floor dysfunction can have. Okay, so uh, make sure you tune in to our later episodes where we're going to address some of the different treatment methods that you can use to turn your pelvic floor dysfunction into pelvic floor function, such as Kegels. And we'll also talk about some of the other things you could expect to see with a pelvic floor specialist. Now, Troy, please tell the listeners how happy we are that they took the time to listen to us today. Yes, sir, Bob, we are. So thank you so, so, so much once again for tuning in to another episode of the Actual PT Podcast. Do us a favor, go ahead, like, subscribe, and comment. Tell us what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear, okay? So huge shout out to our man behind the scenes, Mohammed, for making us sound halfway decent, and to Dr. Kristen Phillips for providing information used in this podcast today. This is your friendly reminder, by the way, to always... Stay classy, actual PT Nation.